thrilled to be celebrating here with you this, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We were hoping to be here celebrating that birth instead of celebrating the birth of our son who's coming shortly, but not today, or at least not at this moment. So, um, Christine said, any time after Christmas Eve on, at 4.30 would be fine. And uh, our, our baby has waited, so thank you, little guy in there, and uh, still looking forward to meeting you. But I'm, I'm glad to be able to be here with you. The, the first time to be able to celebrate Christmas here in this new building uh, with, with our, our church family. For my message today, which is going to be a shorter message than, than you're used to hearing from me, uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, which Bonnie just read. It includes not just my favorite Christmas verse, but one of my very favorite verses in the Bible in general. Luke 2.11 says, For today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. There is so much packed in that verse that teaches us about who Jesus is. Now, this past Sunday, we looked at uh, some other names given for Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. We looked at the name Jesus, which does anybody remember? What does the name Jesus mean? The Lord saves. Yeah, okay, very good. A little bit better than than last, last Sunday. So Jesus means the Lord saves. He is the Lord who saves. And then also we looked at the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God in his mercy wants to be with us, so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be our savior, to redeem us. Well, what I wanted to do today in our message from Luke 2 is look at some more of what we see about this wonderful gift of Jesus Christ and what our response to him should be. So jumping right into it in verse 9, it says that an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. And it says that those shepherds were terrified. Now why were they terrified? Well, I imagine you would be too if you saw this angel of the Lord coming down, shining in all its glory, and wondering to yourself, what kind of message is God going to give? What is it that God has to say to mankind? He has come down, he has chosen this moment, and these people, and God is going to deliver a message. What kind of message will it be? Will it be a message of condemnation? Is God angry with us? There had been those messages in the past. What kind of a message would this be? The shepherds were terrified. Every single one of us has sinned. Every single one of us has earned a death penalty. Is this message from God going to be, now is time for wrath? Well, that's not what the angel came to say. Look at what the angel said in verse 10. The angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It's good news, great joy for all the people. Now praise the Lord for this. He knows all about us. He knows every sin that we have ever committed. He knows all about the wickedness of this world that we live in. And you know what his response is to us? He loves us. He wants to save us. He wants to rescue us. So this message from the angel is indeed good news. Now, what specifically is the news? Well, the news is that someone special is born. And and what I love, again, about this message from the angel in verse 11 is all the wonderful things that we learn about our Savior, Jesus Christ. And and this is God himself, through an angel, giving us a message about who Jesus is. So I want to just point out a few things about verse, verse 11. First, we see that this child is born in the town of David. Later in that verse, we learn that he is called the Christ, 
or the Messiah. And by the way, Christ and Messiah are the same words. Christ is just the Greek word. He, uh, Messiah is the Hebrew word. They both mean the same thing, that Christ is the anointed one, the long-awaited for king in the line of David. In my last couple sermons, I've gone into some pretty good detail about the significance of why Jesus had to come from the line of David. You see, God had made promises to King David some 1,000 years prior about what he would do for his people, about how he would send a king in the line of David. God promised that he would send a forever king. And I just I want to reread for you a couple of verses. I think I read them two Sundays ago. But this is what God said to his people, specifically to King David, a message for all his people, 1,000 years before Jesus was born. In 2 Samuel 7, which I often say is one of the most important passages in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel 7, 12, God says to David, When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. And then four verses later, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And now in Luke 2.11, the angel told the shepherds that that all was happening. That the Messiah, the forever king of David, was born. And he is the Messiah, the long-awaited for one. And if you think about it, it's a pretty astonishing fulfillment of prophecy. I think that's one of the great things about the Bible, is that God has told us his plans. And when you think about it, too, 1,000 years before it happened, God told us how it was going to happen. Not just with that prophecy, but with a bunch of other prophecies. And as it, if you're one of those people who's investigating the truth claims of the Bible, I just point you to those prophecies and say, I think there's a God behind all of that. God who made those promises to his people and then fulfilled them in the birth of his son. It's pretty astonishing. But that's not all that we learn about this baby in verse 11. We also learn that he's called Savior. Now, like I said last week, the name Savior is a name used of God in the Old Testament. And now that very name is given to this baby, Jesus Christ. What does it mean that Jesus is Savior? Well, simply put, it means that we are sinners who are in need of salvation. Every single one of us has sinned. Every single one of us had earned that death penalty. But God had a plan. A plan that he started since he had in mind since eternity past. In his great love for us, God knew what we would need and God planned to send his son. And now in Luke 2.11, we see the message from God himself that Savior has come. And he is this baby, Jesus. Jesus, as our Savior, grew up. He lived a perfect life. Because he lived a perfect life, he was able to stand in our place and take our sins upon himself. And he died for our sins, paying that penalty that we could never pay. And he rose again victorious from the grave so that every one of us who receive him can have complete forgiveness and eternal life. It is a wonderful message of salvation brought about by God through his plan, through his son, Jesus Christ. But there's still more in verse 11. Jesus is also called Lord. And this title, Lord, has a double meaning. One, it's the very name of God. It's one of the stunning things to me about the Bible. The very name of God in the Old Testament is now freely given to the Son of God in the New Testament. Jesus Christ is God the Son. But also, the title Lord means Master. It means that he is the one who is rightly in control of our lives. 
Now, yes, Jesus came to bear our sins. Yes, he came to teach us. Yes, he came to set us an example. But he also came to be our Lord, the one who is in charge of our life. You see, I think that each one of us came into this world assuming that we were our own Lord. But now, this, this day in Bethlehem, it is announced by God himself that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, the fact that Jesus Christ is Savior is wonderful news for us sinners. I think that's a, that's a message that any sinner would be glad to receive. Hey, there's somebody to rescue you from death. Now, the message that Jesus is Lord is also wonderful news, but it's difficult news for some people to accept because for Jesus to be Lord means that we need to give our lives completely to him. It's not enough for us to look at Jesus born on Christmas and say, hooray, he's born. Our response to him is to be more than that. Our response to him is to give our lives to him, to recognize that he is Lord and we are not. That although we we may have been pretending to direct our own lives, He is the only rightful Lord of our lives. So if you want to accept Jesus for who he really is, you need to know him as Lord. And that means a continual submitting of your life to him, to follow him. And and by the way, I think that's good news. I know the kind of life that I would live on my own. I know the kinds of things that I would pursue on my own. And I think often about where I would be if God had not stepped in and brought me to himself. And I'm so grateful that I live that life instead of the life that I had planned out for myself. Now, not that I do it perfectly, but what every one of us is supposed to do is to continue to seek God and to continue to submit to him as Lord because that's who Jesus Christ is. He is our Savior, and He is our Lord. All of this is wrapped up in verse 11, and it truly is wonderful news for us. Now, uh, I, w- I want to show you how the shepherds responded. There are three responses that we see from the shepherd. The angel gave this wonderful message to them, and the sh- shepherds responded in three ways, and I just want to run through them very quickly as we fly through the rest of this passage here. In verse 15... It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they're, they're given this message, and what do they do? They go to Bethlehem and see. God delivered a message about who Jesus is, and their response is, I want to see him. I want to be with him. And that's the first part of response that we should have as well. Go and see Jesus. Seek him. Jesus promised to us in the New Testament in Matthew 7 is seek and you will find. We should be people who, like the shepherds, seek Jesus until we find him. See, that's, that's what Jesus wants for us, is to come to him. He invites us to come to himself. So we are to seek him, receiving him as Savior and Lord, and then continuing to seek him the rest of the days of our lives. Okay, then after the shepherds find Jesus, it says of him in verse 17 that they spread the word. That's the second thing that they do in response. They hear this wonderful news of salvation announced by God himself through an angel. And then what do they do? They they see Jesus, and after seeing him, they go and tell other people. News is meant to be spread. That's why they have news on TV, right? These newscasters don't just get around in, in a room and talk to each other. They broadcast it. Because news is meant to be proclaimed. And this is good news. 
very good news that is meant to be told. So we are to be people who not only receive Jesus Christ, but who also tell other people about him. Now, not everybody may want to hear this message. I, I realize that sometimes we might tell people and they might say to us, no thanks, or something even worse than that. Nevertheless, our job is to tell people this message because it is good news not to be kept to ourselves. This world will tell us, oh, you're a Christian, you found something that works for you, that's great, just keep it to yourself. Might even get in trouble for sharing this message with others. But we are to give this message to other people, to spread the news. And then the third response from the shepherds is found in verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. So they see Jesus and they worship him. And that should be our response too, to worship God for what he has done. And when I think of worshiping, I think of two ways to do it. The first way, very obviously, is with our mouths. I think that's what the shepherds were doing when it said they were glorifying and praising. They were using their mouths to thank God for what he had done. And that's what we should do as well on a continual basis, to be singing to God his praises, to be thanking him in prayer, to be telling other people the wonderful things that God has done. We do all of those things to glorify God with our mouths. But another way to worship God is to offer our lives to him, to live the kinds of lives that he wants us to live. Every once in a while around this time, I, I think about um, having a theme verse for the year. And, and lately, a couple of verses have been sticking out to me. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I'll read, uh, I've got it memorized. Romans 12, 1. One of the very first verses that I memorized. And I, wanna, I, I think I'm probably going to have it as my theme verse. I think it does a great job of telling us what our, our worship of God should be. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Our worship of God is to be the lives that we live, the things that we do for God, the things that we do for each other to serve each other. We are to continually to worship God as living sacrifices throughout our days, whether that's in a church service or whether it's at home or wherever you may be, worshiping God by following Him into what He leads you into. So again, just to recap, the shepherds responded in three ways. The first was they went to see Jesus. They sought him until they found him. The second was that they told other people the news. And, and we are to be people who do that as well. And then their third response was to worship. To worship God for what he had done. I, I think it's this wonderful picture. We're, we're grateful for what God has done for us in sending Jesus. Is that right? Our response should be like those shepherds. To, to worship God. To tell others and to continually seek Jesus and walk with him. And then just one final note about this passage. In verse 20, we see that God did things just as he said he would. God keeps his promises. That's great news for us. God is faithful. He sent Jesus just like he said he would. He's given us other promises as well. Promises like those of us who know him will get to live with him forever in a perfect place. It's all part of the Christmas message. Not just that Jesus came, but that he's going to come again and bring salvation to those who wait for him. 
It's a wonderful promise and we can take that one to the bank. God will continue to be faithful. He always has. He always will be. God will keep his promises. Our response now should be to continue to trust him and to live for him. Would you pray with me again? Father, we're grateful again for this Christmas message, which is the message of our salvation, the message of your great love for us, the message of how you want to lead us continually, day by day, in our walk with you, the message of how you will eventually make everything right. So God, we praise you that you brought about this plan, that you brought Jesus into our world. May we each know him as Savior and Lord. And for any who have not yet received him, we just say right now, God, I love you. Thank you for this plan of salvation that you brought about through Jesus Christ. Please forgive me of my sins. I pray to receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord, submitting my life to him. Help me to live the life you want me to live. And Lord, for the rest of us, may we continue to follow you all the days of our lives, worshiping you, telling others about you, and seeking you all the days of our lives. God, we love you, and again, we're so grateful that you came to us with this message of good news, great joy for all the people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.